0: Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off.
1: I think when money comes into play, especially big money, Mm -hmm. uh, it brings out a lot of times not the most pleasant aspects of a person. Uh, The greed, the ego, the pride, uh the the desire for notoriety for spotlight for publicity all those things come with being a professional and if you don't push yourself to be the very best you soon find yourself on the way out
0: welcome to the shark effect i'm your host alex molden i'm a former nfl veteran and now i'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life. From current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. Hello, welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your your host, Alex Molden. Thank you once again for you know for checking us out. I'm excited about a couple of things. Number one, my my book, Your Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement, um, has dropped. I'm super excited. It's something that I've been working on during this pandemic, and it's something that I wanted to to really to help other people especially where my heart is, athletes, to help them get unstuck. Um, A lot of times when, you know, in our sport, we've been doing it for so long, whether you started in fourth grade or in high school, and you, you know, you go up the levels, a lot of us, our character gets wrapped up into our ability and our platform of being an athlete. And once that is gone, then, you know, we feel stuck. We don't know. What to do? We don't know what our real purpose is in life, and we don't even know what our passions are. So I wrote this book to be able to help individuals get unstuck. So um, you know, you can check it out. It's on Amazon. Uh, you can also uh, find it on my website where you can get an autographed copy, and that's yourultimateplaybook.com. All right. So yeah, peep it out. But my guest this this week is James Donaldson. So James played center in the NBA. He played for fourteen years altogether professionally. He played for twenty years because he he played six years overseas. But uh, James played in the in the eighties, and he's a seven foot two, just a dude. And he talks about in this in this episode. He talks about a lot of things. He talks about you know his his uh, life as an entrepreneur while he was playing professionally. and he talks about his bout with depression and that kind of stemmed from his health having a, uh, an open heart surgery uh, a couple of years ago. and he talks about this dark time where he even thought about like even planning out how he's going to leave this planet. And so I I know it's a lot of uh, it's a stigma around athletes. In depression, and he really shows vulnerability. And it, you know, he really wants to help others. So I'm excited for you guys to, to have a listen to this episode, all right? Buckle up. My man, James, James Donaldson, thank you for being a guest on the podcast, on the Shark Fake Podcast. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to hearing, uh, hearing from you again, but also having you share a little bit about your journey Um, to my listeners.
1: Thank you so much, Alex. It's great to be here with you and your listeners. And uh, hopefully we got a lot of good information to share out to them and they can benefit from that as well. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, for my listeners, can you tell us a little bit about about you
1: and uh, what your previous career was? Uh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm up here in Seattle, Washington. I've been here for about 40 years now, 41 years. Uh, originally came up from Sacramento, California where I grew up and then was recruited up to Washington state university, uh, to be a student athlete over there with basketball and a Fulbright scholarship back in 1975, uh, upon graduation from, uh, WSU as we call it Washington state university. I, uh, I went overseas to uh, Italy for a year, my very first year of professional basketball, as I was drafted in 1979 by the then uh, NBA world champion, Seattle Supersonics. So they drafted me, I think, in the third or fourth round. So they had a couple of first round picks that they felt uh, that they were obligated to basically. So there was really no extra room for another uh, player on the team at that point. So I chose to go overseas to Italy. I went to a beautiful historic city of Siena, Italy, and it's just gorgeous and loved it. Uh, Came back the next year, tried out for the Sonics, who still had my rights uh, as a player um, since they drafted me. Tried out for them and made the team in 1980, which is what brought me to Seattle. And that was the beginning of my long, long stay here in Seattle so far and continuing. It's been a wonderful stay. I I love Seattle. It's been a a great world-class city for so many years. And um, I've seen it through all the the really heights of the greatness of it all over the last 30, 40 years, especially. So um, that's kind of what I've been doing here. That's where I am. And I've done a lot of things since I've been here, including being a small business owner of a physical therapy business um, for 28 years. So we ran that. We had multiple locations throughout the, uh, the Puget Sound, the big region up here in Seattle. And uh, that was wonderful doing that for all those years. Had a, a large, large team of people working with me, sometimes up to 40, 55 people or so in four or five locations. Uh, I've been very involved with our community over the years as well, especially our African-American communities uh, in the areas of uh, mentoring, education, especially for our African-American young men, young boys, as they make that transition, that rite of passage from boyhood to manhood. Uh, we, uh, myself, uh, a couple of groups I've to, uh, we, we turn out to be good, positive African-American male role models for these young boys as they need to see and be able to emulate somebody uh, who they want to be uh, when they grow up and get out there in the real working world. So our first task is to try to get them graduating from high school and then get them onto an institution of higher learning if possible after that, and uh, really help them define their career path, their career interests, their desires, their passions. And we work with them for years, uh, starting as early as you know freshman in high school, sometime even middle school and just really walk with them through that whole pathway of becoming a, hopefully a quality young man uh, when it's all said and done. Um, and so I've been very involved with our various communities of color around Seattle, especially. Uh, and of late, uh, you know, I, I, I wrote a book, uh, which came out earlier in January this year, 2021, uh, pertaining to mental health awareness and suicide prevention. It's called Celebrating Your Gift of Life, and this was after myself going through some mental, serious mental challenges back in 2018, of which I was able to go through. Uh, It's probably one of the hardest, uh, toughest experiences I've ever experienced in my life, Uh, but I made it through after 12 months and emerged on the other side of all that. Uh, with a vision of starting up a nonprofit foundation, which I did, uh, called Your Gift of Life Foundation. And this really gives me that platform to get out there and speak all over the country, especially to our young students, uh, middle school, high school students, and men in particular, trying to get us men to be okay with opening up and talking about things that are bothering them. And so those are the couple of things I've had at my plate the last couple of years. And now this year I'm running for the office of mayor of Seattle as a as a candidate for the office of mayor uh, here in 2021. So that's kind of me in a nutshell, Alex. Man, that's something else. And this is
0: and this is something I mean, this is your second book. And so yeah. I want to talk I want to talk about both books, but I guess I want to go in chronological order. Tell us, uh, my readers, about your first book, Standing Above the Crowd.
1: Yes. uh, Well, you know, uh, that book came out about 10 years ago. And at that point, I looked at this crossroads of life I was at, um, 20 years as a professional athlete, uh, 30 years at that point living in Seattle, being very involved with the community, uh, 20 years or so as a small business owner, and all of those different pathways had uh, different Uh, strategies and techniques of success uh, that they have in common. Mm -hmm. A lot of it, you know, desire and dedication and discipline and drive and uh, working towards your goals, overcoming obstacles, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, persistence. And so I I put that standing above the crowd book together as a, a game plan for success in life and business. Uh, I want people to know that if they are willing to put in the effort, put in the time, uh, put a good team around you, you can be successful at anything that you set out to be. And that's what I wanted to show them, that these three different pathways I was on, sports, business, community involvement, all had a lot of things in common. And I, I detailed what those things in common were, gave people a lot of good, helpful tips on how to move forward in those things after ad- identifying your desire, your passion and what you want to do and what you want to be. And the key is just hanging in there and stay in with it. Don't give up. I mean, uh, there's a great uh, saying that says, you know, uh, the successful person is a person who just hung in there just a little while longer than the person who gave up. And that's really what the big difference is. So, Standing there by the crowd was all about that it's an inspirational motivational book and then the second book celebrating your gift of life is more of a uh, self-help mental health book uh, James I want to James I'm yeah. I don't
0: mean to cut you off but I want to unpack that you know what you just talked about with your first book um sure. and, and I want to talk about your second one but you talked about you know having a team can you talk to me and my listeners about like what were some of the some of the biggest like your big rocks when you're talking about putting together a team whether it was you know when you're a professional athlete and I don't know you know what type of team like was it financial advisors was it you know a chef was it um uh I don't know a massage therapist or whatever but also like with your, you know, being a professional, not just a professional athlete, but a a professional entrepreneur, like what was your, what was, what did your team look like? Like, what was the foundation of what you wanted to have to
1: come from your team? Right. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, You know, I I think, I think if you're going to be a professional, you need to surround yourself with professionals. Uh, When I was an athlete, of course we had uh you know your head coach your assistant coaches uh you know you had your athletic trainers uh nutritional advisors and folks like that who can counsel you with good good eating habits uh you had massage therapists physical therapists so all of these people work together as a team to keep you performing at the very highest level possible um and that's just for the sporting side of it. On the uh, personal and financial side of it, you need you need, need a good accountant, a CPA. Uh, you need somebody who can be a financial advisor, someone who can invest for you uh, wisely, uh, someone who can guide you through your professional career, such as a, an agent, representative, who can negotiate your contracts for you. So, you know, nobody does any of these things all by themselves. I know it looks like it is. Uh, <laughs> you, see, you see LeBron James out there running up and down, and you don't realize he's got 10, 20 people behind the scenes working with him to keep him able to be out there running up and down at the highest level possible and not have to worry about his personal finances as well. So that's really what it takes when you're an athlete. When you're a business entrepreneur, so it's, it's the same but a little bit different. Um, you know, first of all, uh, most people, uh, usually take care of their personal issues, uh, by themselves or within the family. So if you, uh, you know, if you're married, you got children, uh, that's, those are things that you and your spouse have to take care of the household, uh, household finances, household budgets, hopefully, you know, you're working hand in hand with a, uh, equally yoked, uh, partner mm-hmm. who can have the same vision as you do for where your household is going, where your family's going to go and how they're going to get there. Um, so that's really up to the individual. And if you don't have those things, it's good to find people who can help you with those things, such as mentors, role models who can really help guide you and give you advice on those kind of things. In the business world though, uh, on the entrepreneurial side, it's very, very important to have a team of people that you can rely on to keep things going. I ran my business for 28 years. Uh, but most of the years I was off playing professional basketball. So I ran it by a a committee of, of managers who essentially ran the business on a day to day for me. I checked in with checked in with them two or three times a week. Hold on. Um, so you had
0: the business while you were still playing basketball?
1: Yes. I saw, okay. Yes. I started the business up in 1989, and then I retired from professional basketball in 2000. So for those eleven, oh, wow, let's go. <laughs> yeah, so for those eleven years, I was only home in Seattle for about four months a year during the summertime, during the off season. Okay, I was able to get behind the wheel then, but up until then, I had to do it, uh, delegate a lot of responsibility, work hand in hand with my managers who shared the same vision I had. And I kept them accountable for getting things done and reporting back to me uh, once or twice a week. And that worked. That worked very, very well. Uh, along with that, though, along with a good team of managers, and, and they were responsible for picking out a great staff of people to work with us. Uh, you know, we also had a CPA. We had a financial advisor. We had a corporate attorney. Uh, you know, all these kind of folks come in handy. We had a tax advisor for taxes and making sure that business taxes were paid. My personal taxes were uh, paid and up to speed. Uh, no one can know all of these things going into it. And so this is why it's so important to sit down and talk with somebody who's been there and done that uh, mm-hmm. or find uh, an advisor or a consultant who can help walk you through every step of the way. Uh, I relied on people to help me with marketing of our business. Uh, I joined uh, various business organizations, such as the Chamber of Commerce or business networking groups. Uh, I learned how to speak in public, uh, joining groups like, you know, Toastmasters and speaking on a regular basis in front of crowds and in front of small groups. Uh, so I continued growing, and I wanted to continue growing because. I didn't know the first thing about business when I started up my business. Mm. I trust my, my representative from basketball, my agent. Uh, he helped me identify a good partner for me to get started with. And that was the key to all of that. And I learned as I went, but I was a willing, uh, you know, open vessel to learn and wanting to learn and can continue getting better and better. Mm, I love that. Yeah. It's always about getting better. Whether it's, in sports
0: or in life, is mm-hmm. you know you can't do it by yourself. It's, That's it's, right. it's already difficult. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so I want to um, talk to you about like what was some crossroads that you had on the athletic side of of the of the I guess of the coin. What were some roadblocks that maybe you was going one way and something happened, whether it was injury, whether it was with the coach. Or just, you know, changing going up, uh, I guess, to the next level of basketball, playing in the NBA. What was some roadblocks? And if you had any and what type of um, strategy did you have to to kind of get around that? Whether it was on on the basketball side of things, but also um, in the business side.
1: Right. Well, you know, I was fortunate, I believe, to have a really good agent from the time I came out of college. Uh, this was a fellow who was introduced to me by my my college ba- basketball coach, uh, George Raveling, who was at WSU with me. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, George and the, the assistant coaches, uh, they highly recommended this particular sports agent for me to go with. And I did. I, I had no idea who was out there, who was reliable, who was reputable. So I took their advice and went ahead and um, started out with this agent and stayed with him for the vast majority of my career. Uh, He really got me started in the right direction, helping to negotiate my my early contracts, uh, helping me to invest my, my NBA money into annuities and investment vehicles, which were there long after I retired from the NBA those investments were still sitting there, uh, you know, gaining, uh, earning interest and just really, uh, you know, creating that wealth that I wanted to do. And that's what I did. So, uh, I think some of the early challenges though, was first, uh, realizing that once you make it to the professional leagues, it's no longer just a game. Uh, you Mm -hmm. know, it's a job now. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, you are expected to be a, a, a professional, uh, you are a contracted employee. Uh, you have a lot of expectations and requirements for you to fulfill that contract. And if you don't, well, the contract's over and you find yourself out of the league. So uh, I think that was the first taste of me feeling like uh, I didn't have as much say in things if I want to continue playing basketball as I thought I did. Uh, They can trade you at a moment's notice. Uh, You have to go to the team that they trade you to. Back then when they drafted you, they held on to your draft rights until they traded away or relinked your your draft rights as well. Now it's a little bit different. Uh, Now they don't really have draft rights and things to hang on to particular players. There's only two rounds in the NBA draft now. So if you don't get drafted in the first two rounds, you're essentially a free agent. You can go out and market your skills to any team out there. Mm-hmm. That, that wasn't the case back then. So guys who got drafted in the eighth, ninth, tenth, twelfth rounds, they were still tied to that team until that team either let them go or traded them. Um, I think the first bit of disappointment I faced, though, was when I was uh, after my three years here with the Seattle Supersonics. Uh, I was traded away to the San Diego Clippers, and uh Mm -hmm. i didn't know much about it i thought i'd be here with seattle with my whole nba career as i hoped i would be and as as the management alluded to me that they would keep me here throughout but i didn't know behind the scenes they were working on a trade down to san diego and when i caught wind of that it just really uh took the took the wind out of my sails it just really was a a gut punch that wow i'm I'm really not a person. I'm just a commodity. Mm. That's exactly how I felt. Uh, if I didn't have some good advice and some good people sitting me down and talking to me, I, I was really contemplating quitting at that point after only three years in the NBA league. Uh, the coach from San Diego flew all the way up here to Seattle from San Diego, sat down in my living room trying to convince me to go ahead and sign the new contract, come to San Diego, uh, continue my career. Uh, Don't take it so personal. You know, this is a business. And so I learned a lot from that encounter of how to work with the NBA, how to work with professional sports, keep my integrity, my dignity, but at the same time be able to provide those services in exchange for the payments, uh, the income that they were providing for me. So, you know, we don't know those things going into it. I think we all think it's going to be hunky-dory and uh, good times every single day, every single year, every single contract. Uh, And sports is one of those few occupations where very few of us ever choose to choose when we're going to retire or when we're going to quit. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, it, it comes about when the team no longer has use for you and doesn't offer you another contract. And you're done, and you're out.
0: Absolutely, you know, you're talking so foundationally. Um, you know, when you're, you know, when you were just talking about, you're a commodity, yes. right? And you're a yes. commodity, and you got to go in there and do the work. I'm interested to hear that. Like, what adjustments did you have to make? It seemed like your character was still there. Right, you, you yeah. talked about having integrity or whatnot, but what, what adjustments did you have to make maybe with your mindset that when you start to play professionally, that you know, you, you can take people's word with a grain of salt or, or maybe something else. But, I mean, but I'm interested to hear about what adjustments that you need to make or well, did you have to make?
1: Well, once, once I realized and learned that this was a business this was no longer, you know, being a student athlete over at Washington State University, uh, where, you know, I guess in a sense that's a business as well. I'm providing my athletic services, they're giving me a scholarship tuition free in return. So there is an exchange of things like that. But college, college aff- offers you a camaraderie that professional sports doesn't. Uh, college offers you friendships for life that professional sports doesn't. I think when money comes into play, especially big money, Mm -hmm. uh, it brings out a lot of times not the most pleasant aspects of a person. Uh, The greed, the ego, the pride, uh, the, the desire for notoriety, for spotlight, for publicity. All those things come with being a professional. And if you don't, push yourself to be the very best, you soon find yourself on the way out. Uh, I was bound and determined once I got the hang of this game of basketball to be the very best I could be and to play as long as I could possibly play. Uh, I didn't know how long I'd play. I didn't know how good I'd be, but I just kept on plugging away and never, ever gave up except for that moment where I thought about giving up after my first three years in the league.
0: Mm I love that. Um, now, what type of roadblocks did you have when you were, you know, when you stepped away and you started just doing your business?
1: Yes. Well, you know, like I said, I was working in my business for four months a year during the off season, every season. So it it was pretty much matured to that point. Once I retired from basketball, I was able to jump in behind the wheel full time. Uh, I was able to really help guide our vision, our our direction. Uh, I had the vision of multiple locations. For those first 11 years, we had one location. But I had the vision for multiple locations, which took me to several different communities around Seattle. And I got very involved with the various communities. Um, I don't think I felt any particular resistance or restrictions or anything. I joined... And got very involved. I I like to roll up my sleeves and put my hard hat on and go to work as best I can. So that's why I joined and got very involved with the Chambers of Commerce. Not only as a member, but as a a board of director, as an executive committee member, as a vice chair of small business. I mean, very, very involved with these things because I had such a passion for it. And I wanted to learn and surround myself with some of the best people out there. So I think when we get the opportunity, we have to get more involved. We, uh, and I say we, meaning mainly as people of color, uh, African-Americans especially, uh, we need to think about becoming more entrepreneurial uh, to be able to put together our own businesses and and drive our own vision towards where we want that to be. Uh, Too many of us end up being dependent on either an employer who can let you go at a moment's notice or on on the government or what have you and this I just don't think personally it's the best way to go uh you we want to be able to maximize all these opportunities that come our way now especially nowadays I mean I can see 60 70 80 years ago all the civil rights uprising all the all the legacies of slavery, the Jim Crow laws, and all the things we came through. We've come a long, long way. We still got a long way to go. Uh, but nowadays we have so much more opportunities for recourse that that we didn't have back then. Uh, now we can go out and get an attorney to fight on our behalf. We can win lawsuits. We can, we can be made whole, at least financially. Uh, that wasn't the case 50 years ago, but now us folks have to realize that, Hey, ain't no stopping us now. You know, we got to keep mm. on, keep on moving up.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, James, tell, tell me a transformational moment for you. Um, you know, talking about your second book, what was the transformational moment you had that kind of, um, kind of put the, the wheels kind of churning in your, in your mind about what that, what that book can do for people.
1: Well, you know, I I, I, I I describe my life as being a, a very charmed life. It wasn't problem or issue-free, but it was very, very much charmed. I worked hard. I was uh, rewarded handsomely playing basketball, running a business. Uh, I had set myself up well for retirement years with a large nest egg. Um, everything was going well. Uh, you know, I was... Uh, newly married, uh, five years into a, a marriage, my first and only marriage so far with a, uh, a stepson. It was her, her boy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so things were going very, very well. Yeah. I was still in tip top shape uh, because even after my basketball days, I still was in the gym five, six days a week, running three or four miles, uh, three or four times a week. Uh, and just was constantly very, very active, very, very fit. And then all of a sudden something happened. You know, this was, uh, I was 57 years old uh, and this was back in January of 2015. I'm out trying to play around the golf with some friends of mine and I just wasn't feeling well. I felt terrible. Matter of fact, that morning, my, my back was killing me, uh, I'm sweating profusely. I feel nauseous. Uh, and I told the guys, "Hey guys, I don't, I don't feel it today. I, I'm, matter of fact, I'm going to go check out and see what my doctor, see what my doctor thinks about all of this that I'm going through right now." Uh, and I had just seen my doctor a couple of weeks before that and passed my annual physical, of flying colors. So there was nothing detectable, no mm-hmm. obvious something was wrong. Uh, I drove over to my doctor's office, 15 minutes away or so, and. I remember getting to his office and seeing the reception counter in the lobby of his office and then boom, everything just went black. Uh, mm. I got right there on the floor in the lobby of my doctor's office. And good thing I did. I mean, I guess if you can make a good thing out of that, it was a good thing it was there and not out, not out on the golf course. Okay. But, yeah. Yes, and they, the docs did a quick diagnostic scan uh, determined that my heart was having a serious issue. It was a uh, aortic dissection that was just on the verge of bursting. And this Oh, thing my goodness. Just on the verge. I mean, they told me it was five times the diameter that it normally should be.
0: Was that your heart? This was aorta. my aorta. Aorta, okay, okay.
1: Yeah, the big vessel coming off the top of your heart. Uh, and it is swollen to about five times as big as it should have been just on the verge of bursting. And of course, if it burst, you just bleed out in a matter of, you know, 30 seconds and you're just done. You just fade, fade back and you're done. Um, and so the docs were able to determine that something was definitely going wrong. And they threw me in the ambulance and ran me up to the surgical center here in Seattle. And I underwent a 11 and a half hour emergency open heart surgery on the spot. Uh, I woke up two weeks later after being wow. in a medically induced coma for five days and woke up two weeks later after that, not having any idea where I was or what happened. Uh, and so that began to be, that began the beginning of my downward spiral into the depths of depression and anxiety and suicidal ideations uh this was 2015 and i basically was just wiped out the rest of the year laying flat on my back trying to recover get back on my feet again i spent about three and a half months in intensive care so i didn't get out of the hospital until uh end of march and um I had another similar surgery, not emergency, but necessary in 2016, Uh, but this is when my life really started falling apart. Uh, My mother had passed in 2016, right around the time I was having my second heart surgery. Mm -hmm. Uh, My wife of five years had picked up and walked out of our marriage and took her little boy with her. And that was a big, big blow. I totally unexpected, totally unforeseen uh, without, without notice, without a message, without a word, just one day I'm out of town for the weekend. I come back and they're both gone. Oh my goodness. Yes. And um, so I'm starting to spiral downward. Uh, I'm still not able to do a portion of what I used to do physically because of my heart and heart surgeries. I'm, I'm winded just walking down the street, not let alone trying to go up and down stairs. Um, and I couldn't pay attention to my business the way I paid attention to it all these years. Uh, I, I, I delegated all the responsibilities out to my management team. They did the very best that they could. But, you know, a management team manages. They don't really create the vision or drive the business. They manage what's already in place and keep it going as best as they can. And they did. Uh, my business found itself starting to hit some financial challenges. I ended up spending all of my hard-earned NBA money savings into my business, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I just poured into the business thinking I'd be able to save it. And at the end, it was all in vain. I wasn't able to save it. Uh, and so I spent every last penny of my NBA savings. Um And then finally had to end up pulling the plug on my business in 2018. And that really uh, sent me spiraling downhill. Uh, 2018 was 12 months of uh, pure hell and total darkness, uh, loneliness. And uh, I realized at that point in early part of 2018 that something was seriously wrong, uh, wrong with me. I was still functioning. I was still up and at it every day and trying to do what I could do, but I couldn't do much. Um, And so I reached out to my family doctor, my family physician, and made an appointment to come and go in and see him, thinking that, you know, since I couldn't sleep at night, uh, I was anxious. He would just give me a couple of sleeping pills or sleeping medication and help me get back to sleep. But luckily, he was the kind of doctor that was very very uh, intuitive, very uh, conscientious, uh, very inquisitive. He was asking me a lot of questions. I was telling him everything I'm going through. And he told me right there, he said, wow, James, you are going through depression, anxiety, and you have some suicidal ideations as well. We need to get you some help. And right there, he, he wrote out a prescription for... Uh, antidepressant, anti-anxiety medications for six months. He reached out and wrote out another prescription for a behavioral health counselor for somebody I can talk to. Um, and those things for the next six months was really what I focused on in the midst of this darkness. Uh, I reached out myself to a small, intimate group of friends and just let them know, hey guys, I'm really struggling and I need you. Uh, I, I need to be able to call somebody at those midnight hours when I can't get to sleep. And they all put their hands up and say, hey, put us on speed dial and give give us a call anytime. Mm-hmm. And I put them up on that. And I told them, I also, I said, hey, I also need you to check in on me uh, two or three times a week during the daytime when, when I'm just sitting around lonely, all by myself, depressed, uh, thinking crazy thoughts, I need you guys to call me and just check on me and see how I'm doing and what my mindset is at that time. And they did that. They, I mean, this this happened all through 2018. And um, it was just a wonder of wonders that I made it through uh, because I had, I had three or four means of exiting this world all planned out and mm-hmm. a matter of, uh, you know, not if, but when. Uh, I started getting these impulsive voices in my head telling me, hey, go ahead and do it. Just do it. You know, you, you got it all planned out. Just go ahead and do it. And that's, that was the scariest part. Hmm. So 2018 was all about that. And at the end of 2018, finally, finally, the darkness started lifting a little bit. And I realized that God had a, uh, had a purpose for me, had a reason for me to still be here. And that was to be able to use my platform that I have uh, as a former professional athlete, as a larger than life, I don't know if your your listeners realize I'm seven foot two, <laughs> but <laughs> as a larger than life African-American human male, uh, I have a platform that I can speak from and relay my story out to our communities of color that are loath to talk about mental health issues uh, in our communities of color. We don't talk. We don't want to talk about suicide. We don't want to talk about depression, uh, mental issues. Nothing. We we. It's a big taboo. It's a big stigma. But I said, hey, I'm I'm going to use my platform. God, God kept me here to use this platform to speak out to our communities of color, especially to our men of color and tell us to quit being so proud and so stubborn and be able to reach out for help and ask for help and receive help, uh, to reach out to our young students around the country, middle school and high school especially, uh, that are going through so many difficult, troubling times, especially now after this pandemic shutdown of all last year. So that's what my foundation was born out of, that vision. And then the book followed uh, the foundation formation, uh, saying, hey, I'm going to write about all these experiences I went through and the strategies and the techniques and the steps I used to get out of that, of which I put into my book to help others as well. Mm,
0: I love that. What was the, uh, you know, just listening to you talk, what was the number one thing that helped you get through uh, the depression that you was going through? Was it the relationships that you had? You know, it sounded like you had you know, a, a great group of friends that would check on you and, oh. and um, you know, just check on your well being. Was it something else? What was like that, the number one thing that, that really helped you get back on your feet?
1: Well, the, the friendships were mainly by phone. Uh, we talked a lot on the phone but I was still all by myself. And um, I think the number one thing that got me through was my was my strong faith uh, that I have in, in God. Um, mm-hmm. I was raised a Christian, uh, Christian church, Baptist church down in Sacramento. Uh, I still go to church on a weekly basis up here in Seattle. Uh, my Christian faith has always been a very, very strong part of who I am. And so even in the midst of the dark, the darkness when I felt totally alone and even my friends seemed to be you know millions of miles away uh, God was always right there with me and I'd, I'd ask him on occasion why why are you uh, allowing me to go through this and I didn't get my answer until the until the darkness started to lift up a little bit I'm allowing you to go through this, so you will have the, the real life experiences to be able to share with other people of how to get through this. And so, I don't blame God for putting me in that situation, I, but I give Him all the credit for pulling me through.
0: Mm, I love that. I really do. That's 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 powerful, you know. Because I and we both speak, right? We both speak on on stages. Yes. And I and our. Often talk about alignment, assignment, and adjustment. Those are three things that really gave me success on the football field, and I started to apply it to my life off of it. And it sounds like, man, you you being aligned with your faith helped you get through this. Yeah, helped you to adjust. You already knew your what started to um, learn about what your purpose was, and see, a lot of people get stuck right there. They don't know what their purpose is.
1: Right. Right. Well, even in the darkest of the dark, uh, I knew that I wasn't totally alone. God was there with me. Mm-hmm. I could feel His presence. I could mm-hmm. I could feel His uh, His strength when I had none left. You know His His courage that He put into me to keep on another day, another day, and that that's powerful.
0: Absolutely. Mm, absolutely. Well, James, how can my listeners uh, get more of you? You have a website or you're on social media and uh, tell us about your book. Where can they find your, your books? Thank you.
1: Thank you. Well, uh, I I do have a pretty large social media presence with uh, Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and all the rest of them. Just put my name in the search bar and they'll pull up several pages of Facebook pages and, couple pages on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Uh, so I'm easy to find out there. My story, I've been putting it out there from the time I started going through all this. is very public. Uh, there's a lot of videos on YouTube uh, with me talking about mental health and my challenges, my battles, uh, what I've overcome and I've overcome now. Uh, so all those things are out there for everybody. They're all for public viewing and public consumption. Um, my books can be found uh, on Amazon for sure, uh, but if you want a personally inscribed, personally signed book over to you from me, uh, you should come directly to me, uh, and you can go to my website for my, my latest book, which is celebratingyourgiftoflife.com, and that pulls you right into me. Uh, there's an email address in there. Uh, shoot me an email or fill out the order form for a book that comes directly to me as well. I sign off on it and drop it right back in the mail to you. So that's, that's the best way if you want a personalized copy. And Amazon can't do that for you, so I'll, yeah. personal, I'll personalize it for you. Uh, and the same thing with the Standing Above the Crowd book. Uh, I have a website, standingabothecrowed.com. Uh, but same with the emails, whatever, just shoot me an email anytime. Uh, my email for celebrating is James D like David, James D at celebrating your gift of life.com. And that comes directly to me. Let me know which book you want, how you want it inscribed, who you want it sent off to, and I'll make all that happen for you in a real direct personal way.
0: That's great. That's great. Well, James, man I got definitely got to have you on again man I can sit here and talk with you for 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 hours but I'm on I'm gonna get you off the hook and let you off the hook <laughs> but, but man it's been a pleasure it's definitely been a pleasure thank you for for uh being so transparent really I, appreciate it
1: Alex as we mentioned off off uh, record uh, I'm starting up my own podcast and I want to have you on as a guest because my podcast will be all about uh, you know having men as the guest talking to them about what they go through, how they handle the challenges of what they're trying to handle, and reassuring all men out there that they are not alone. And I, I invite everybody to listen to it, but the guests will be a lineup of men from every walk of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, you don't just need highly accomplished ones, but your everyday folks uh, need have a story as well. And they Absolutely. need to need to have that story told. And I want to create a safe environment for men to talk openly and just to let us know uh, what they're going through and how they're making their way through. And they will make it through. They just got to keep hanging in there, reach out for help and do the right things. Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot, James, man. I greatly appreciate you, my man. All right. Thank you so much, man. You and all your listeners out there have a blessed day. It's so wonderful to be with you.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally my book the ultimate playbook for high achievement you can get it on amazon and the uh paper paperback version or you can get it on kindle and who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking to, to transition what, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever if you're looking to transition into something different this book can help you. I break it down. And I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making, that can help you with influencing others. And how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, Recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage. Right. Because we all go through tough times. But how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you? Okay. And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there.